For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. been doing some reading this week on the state of the church in Afghanistan, and uh, it's pretty bleak. Uh, since the Taliban have come in and taken over in the last year, um, there's been this, um, this increase, the shocking increase in the rise of targeted killing of Christians, um, almost mafia-style hits. Um, if a Christian is found or someone is found with Bible software on their phones, it can lead to uh, pretty horrendous repercussions. Families are being targeted. Um, girls are, young girls in, in, in Christian families are being taken from their families um, and, and, and sold into slavery. Boys being sold into, into becoming soldiers. People are searching. The Taliban are searching from house to house, trying to rout out the Christians. And, and so um, it seems the Christians are even afraid the Taliban is using tracking software and, and they're having to turn off their phones just in fear that there's someone tracking them. They're having to go into hiding. It, uh, it's pretty serious, but, but yet it's not unique in the history of the world. Persecution has always been the oven that refines the purity of faith in the world. Persecution is nothing new. It shouldn't surprise us. We, we need to pray for them, pray alongside them. But um, persecution tends not to crush faith, but actually in some ways it purifies, it makes it more real. And, and we see that churches tend to grow in places of persecution. In fact, um, Afghanistan is, is considered the, the number two most dangerous place for Christians. Number one remains North Korea. And estimates are that even, even still, there are over 400,000 Christians in North Korea. The fastest growing church in the world is a church also in, in, in a country where there's some persecution, which is China. Persecution is the oven that can refine the purity of faith. We have the text here this morning in uh, Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 16. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Jesus is sending the disciples out like sheep defenseless. That's the thing about sheep is they really don't have any natural defenses. Defenseless in the midst of a dangerous environment. And so he calls them to be innocent. But, but there's always a danger that without prudence, innocence can be ignorance or even... Um, can be naive. And so there's to be this um, <laughs> sort of a savviness, being crafty as serpents. This is the reality of the danger of our situations, not being naive. Jesus goes on in, in verse 17, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. Um, Jesus is, is giving this warning to the disciples. And at this point in time, um, especially in the early church, that they still met in the synagogues. They were still um, this sect of, of Jews who believed that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, the one they've been waiting on. And so they continued to gather in the synagogues and proclaiming, hey, Jesus is the one we've been waiting for. He is the suffering servant. He is the son of David. He is, um, he is the, the one who will crush the head of the serpent, all these things. Um, and so they would meet in the synagogues, and, and, and it was regular uh, for them to receive discipline in the synagogues for saying such things. 
Uh, verse 18, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Um, the Jewish people in, in this day were actually exempted from emperor worship. They had a religious exemption from having to worship Caesar. But when the Christians were kicked out of the synagogues, uh, when it was seen as this sort of heretical sect, they were kicked out, uh, they no longer fell under that religious exemption, and then they were persecuted by, um, by the Romans, by, by the Gentile state, for not bowing their knee to Caesar, for not declaring that Caesar is Lord, but rather that Jesus was Lord. So not only were they facing persecution from the Jewish leadership, but also now um, from the Gentiles as well. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. It's the promise, uh, the promise that remains for us as well, that, um, that in hours where um, it's difficult, that, that God the Spirit will give us words. Uh, I don't know about you, but, but there have been these conversations I've had at times where I take a step of faith and engage in a conversation and I'm answering questions or sharing with someone, and it's almost like you, you step outside of yourself and you hear the things you're saying. You go, wow, that's brilliant. Where did I come up with that? How did, how did, how did I come up with that? Um, where it's this amazing gift that sometimes the Spirit just gives you the words in those moments. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and his father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Um, he says that, that even struggles within families, the brokenness in families is to be expected. Particularly in these early stages of the gospel, where it was so new, was so fresh, and was so radical. Um, but it's also, I mean, not uncommon what we see when people come to faith in, in Muslim countries, for example. It's not to be unexpected. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Um, so there's something in this day where we see uh, here and in the book of Acts as well that, that the Christians wanted to sort of huddle together um, and, and isolate. And persecution would come and force them to spread. And it was persecution in the book of Acts that took the good news, the gospel, and spread it actually out into the surrounding areas around Jerusalem. It was the persecution that drove them, forced them out into the neighboring regions. Um, but there's the, the saying that Jesus says is um, it's it's kind of hotly debated, and um, where he says, uh, uh, "I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes." And there's a difference of opinion. Some people believe on one scale that it means Jesus is simply saying <coughs> that um, uh, that you're not going to get to all the towns until I catch up with you. Um, so in a few weeks. Uh, the, other, the other end of the scale is people who believe that Jesus is actually talking about his second coming when he comes back <laughs> once again with a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, the option that, I, that I, I resonate with here that seems to make sense to me is that he's actually talking about 70 AD. And he, he's saying that they will not have finished evangelizing the cities of Israel before the Son of Man, that's Jesus himself, comes back in judgment on Israel. Um, through the, the Roman armies when they destroy the temple in 70, which is a monumental event. And so he's really talking about, about the events that are coming in 70, the, the, this judgment on the temple, this judgment on, on the people. And, and that, I think, is what he's talking about, but there's debate there as well. Verse 24, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. 
It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? Um, Jesus has been called Beelzebul, which is essentially Satan, the devil. He says, listen, if they call me the devil, then don't expect a much better treatment at times from people um, than, you, than, than I have received. And so, again, he's, he's saying there's this expectation of resistance, expectation of persecution. Now, even as we go forward with the good news, the good news that, that the Messiah has arrived, that Jesus is in fact the one that we've been waiting for. Jesus is the one that the Old Testament has pointed to, that God is, is bringing the world, not just, not just uh, Israel, but the whole world, that the promise to Abraham is being fulfilled, that God is now reaching out to the entire world, Jews and Gentiles alike, that finally this new age has arrived and that there's this exodus call where Jesus is bringing people out of slavery to sin into the freedom of the Spirit. Um, and we're called to join with him on this march towards the promised land as we walk towards it, this, this, this good news, this gospel. That's what gospel means, good news. But Jesus is clear that this message of good news will bring resistance. It kind of makes me ask sometimes, why? Why does it need to be so tough? Why does God allow resistance, the very thing that he desires? Um, I think it kind of comes down to uh, him giving us free will and, and also um, that we have an enemy who resists this and, um, and can lead us in our free will as will to oppose it. But, but the acknowledgement is, that, hey, there's, there's going to be harsh resistance at times. It's not going to be easy. But the call is in the midst of this resistance, in the midst of this pushback in our culture, in our world, is to be innocent and to be above reproach. And Jesus also says to love those who resist, love those who push back, love our enemies. Wisdom is not naivety, right? It's innocence with shrewdness. And I think there's a temptation for us when we see resistance, when there's pushback, when there's persecution, is to get angry. And we can get angry with resistance, and lash out and retaliation. We can call down curses on the sin around us, but it comes back for me again to the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes where it's this mercy idea. Why, how can we be angry at someone for searching for meaning? How can we be angry at someone who is blind and lost for being blind and lost? Um, how can we be angry for someone for not following Jesus when they don't know Jesus? Instead, we need to show love and mercy for those who don't understand, who push back, who resist. Um, if they don't truly see what it is they're resisting or pushing back to, that maybe the scales haven't been peeled off their eyes, so to speak. But, but we, we can't respond with anger, with violence, with lashing out. But the other, the other extreme that we need to avoid as well is hiding. It can drive us to, to, to hiding and to seclusion and separating ourselves so that we don't feel the pain of, of the pressure, of the persecution, of the resistance. We've seen both of these in the church and, and neither of them work well. We need to be light in the darkness. Jesus is really clear on that, that our expectation is that we are saved so that we go and that we are light in the midst of the brokenness, in the midst of the darkness, salt and light. And so, yeah, he says there is resistance. And yeah, there is pain and there will be pushback. But he says we don't get angry at it. <coughs> we don't fight <coughs> with violence. We also don't run and hide from it. Instead, we're called to love, we're called to serve, we're called to, to show the fruit of the gospel and the truth of it in our lives. That's why John, Jesus says in John 17, 
that he, he's, he's calling us not out of the world but, but in it, and that we would not be of the world but that we would be in it, that it doesn't influence us but that we influence it. So expect resistance, don't be surprised by it. And rather than fight back or hide, we need to love and bless and be a light. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you again for your word. Thank you for your call on our lives and that you have rescued us. Thank you for this good news, the gospel, which sets us free, free from slavery to sin and and alive in you. God, help us not to be afraid of resistance and persecution, but rather help us to simply continue to love and serve those around us being a light in the darkness. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're here for you. We're with you. Please let us know if there's anything we need help. Love you. Take care.